This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101 podcast, where hunters new and old come to learn and find inspiration from stories of hunts gone by. Everyone is welcome to enjoy the outdoor way of life, and there is no better time to start so let's head into the great outdoors with your host, Dylan Ray. All right, guys, welcome to Bear Archery's Hunting 101. I'm your host, Dylan Ray, and joining me is what I consider to be a legend in the traditional world. Now, he'll argue that he's not, uh, but that's just because he's a humble guy. Um, I am joined by Mr. Jim Willems of Pope and Young. Jim, how are you, man? I'm doing great, Dylan. Thanks. I am excited you're here. Um, it's not often I get to record with people in person uh, because usually it's over the phone. They're long distance. Uh, but we actually you know, happen to just get to meet up and record in person. So I'm excited you're here, man. I'm excited to dive in. Uh, I am most excited about this series we're about to put out uh, just because I am getting into traditional archery. Uh, this is new for me. I've wanted to for a long time, but you know, honestly, I was kind of, I was kind of intimidated by it, honestly. Uh, but now that I have a pro like yourself um, to teach me along the way, I am thoroughly excited. So I cannot wait to dive in. So guys, I can honestly say this: whether you have been a traditional archer for uh, twenty years or whether you are getting into this, um, we get to glean knowledge and learn from one of the top um, and somebody who does it really well. So. I'm excited to get to learn with you, so if you are uh, diving into traditional archery with me, uh, I'm excited to get to learn and grow with you. Uh, before we dive in, I do want to talk about Pope and Young first, uh, kind of your role there, um, your role through history. You were the former president. Uh, how soon? Did, how long ago did you step down from that? Uh, just this last March 1st was the end of my third term. I served three terms as president, and uh, now I'm still on the board as past president. Awesome. So tell us a little bit about about Pope and Young? Well, uh, you know, originally Pope and Young was founded, uh, 1961 was the date of our founding, uh, but it actually started a few years before that. And it was, uh, it was founded to create bow hunting opportunities. And, and I say to create bow hunting opportunities back in the fifties and early sixties, most states did not have specific bow hunting only seasons. And only a few states had uh, had it to where it was legal to hunt with a bow during the rifle season. Uh, there was uh, there was a few states uh, like Wisconsin and and Colorado and and I know there was others, but a few states that recognized that bow hunting 
uh, could be a viable conservation tool and, and actually had their own seasons. But for instance, Colorado, you could only hunt deer and antelope and maybe black bear with a bow. You couldn't hunt elk or, or any of the bigger animals. So the Pope and Young Club was founded to prove that bow hunters could be effective and, and to chronicle our successes. That was another reason for the, the Pope and Young Club record book. You know, how are you going to prove that you're effective without having the data to show it? So we created the record book, uh, mirrored on what Boone and Crockett was doing. We used the Boone and Crockett scoring system. And the intention was to chronicle the successes of bow hunters and then use that information to go to state agencies and provincial agencies up in Canada to create bow hunting opportunities. And what we don't realize today is just how successful the Pope and Young Club was. We, we worked in conjunction with the state and local organizations. And with, within about a decade, we had archery-only seasons in pretty much every state and every province and, uh, you know, for almost every species. And now here we are uh, almost 60 years later, 59 years later, um, we just take it for granted that we've always been able to hunt these animals, and, and that's not the case. And, and that was because of people at the Pope and Young Club and, and working with state organizations, which, honestly, they were the same people. The Pope and Young Club members were the um, Kansas Bowhunter members, uh, Kansas Bowhunters Association members, um, or the Colorado Bowhunters Association members. We, they were all the same people, and they got us what we have today. So... You've heard me say in, in past episodes, and, and you'll hear me preach this from uh, f- forever, uh, if you're not a member of Pope and Young, I would encourage you to go and become a member because uh, they have always worked to create new opportunities for us as bow hunters, and they still do uh, work to create new opportunities for us as bow hunters. So if you're not a member, I would encourage you to go uh, get involved with them. Um, man, so let's dive in. Uh, so kind of the mission behind Pope and Young is uh, to promote, protect, and preserve the passion of bow hunting. Um, and, and I hope we can work to do that today. Um, and that is to hopefully create a new traditional archer out of this. Uh, you're already creating one in myself, but I, I really want to I want to see a, a, a rebirth in the, the passion for traditional archery. Uh, you know, we talked today, and you saw that big decrease there when compound bows started to come out. Uh, and people kind of switching over to that, but but I would really like to see uh, just a new a new uh, passion for traditional archery. So that's what we're going to kind of work towards today is just trying to equip you and teach you how to get involved in traditional archery, maybe to inspire you to get involved in traditional archery. Uh, but we're going to start uh, this episode. This is a five part series, and we're going to start this episode by learning how to choose a bow. Um, so what what do I need to know when I choose my bow? Okay, let's just assume that that, uh, you're a young person starting out that's really never shot a bow before. Uh, because there's there's three different things you need to consider. Are are you a, a, a young person just starting out? Um, are you an adult who's never shot a bow before who wants to try traditional archery? Or have you been a compound shooter for a significant amount of time? So you, you know the basics. So all, all three of those would be different when you decided to choose a bow. And when we're talking about traditional archery, we're, we're basically talking about recurves and longbows. And, and they are different. The the, the biggest difference if you look at them are the way the limbs are the typical longbow has more of a d shape um, with the straight side being the string and and a recurve has the curved tips that point away from the string 
And and there's design differences. They shoot different. They feel different. But realistically, the biggest difference today is the the way the handle is made. With a longbow, the handle is more straight up and down. You would grip it more solid, uh, have a solid grip on it. They talk about carrying it, holding it like a suitcase handle, where you just grab a hold of it and wrap your hand around it. Whereas with most recurves, the uh, the they have what they call a higher wrist in the handle, so your your wrist is more in line, or your hand is more in line with your wrist, so you would grip it with more of an open hand to keep from torquing the bow. Now, are you going to shoot a recurve or a longbow? That's entirely personal preference. Um, I'm going to talk a lot about recurves because that's what I shoot, and uh, I honestly think they are a little bit easier to learn how to shoot. They're a little more forgiving. Um, some of the hardcore longbow bow guys might disagree, but we'll talk a lot about the recurves when I uh, talk about my experience. But So you need to decide which one you're going to shoot. Now, one thing you talked about when it comes to recurves is they make takedown recurves. So if you travel a lot, fly a lot, um, that's a benefit of a recurve uh, is you can take those limbs apart and, and put it into a case or a, a suitcase even, you know, and, and, and make it smaller for traveling. Um, so I'll go ahead and say... I'm going to go with a recurve. Uh, I think I've decided to go with a recurve, and so uh, that's going to be what I dive into traditional archery with. Um, my dad has always had a thing for longbows. I, I think they, I think he thinks they just look cool. You know, I think, you know, he thinks old old Indians, and he thinks longbows, and so he's always had a thing for longbows. Um, I am going to be going with a a recurve. Another thing that you know Jim mentioned on the grip of a bow, and we'll get into this. Uh, much later, but but on a recurve, it's much more like holding a compound bow uh, because you you know release those bottom three fingers and you kind of just hold it in the in the crease of your hand like you would shooting a, a a compound. And so that's one more reason that I feel a lot more comfortable going with the recurve route uh, because I am so used to loosening up that grip and and uh, you know I've always been told to choke the canary, act like you're holding a little baby bird around the neck and you don't want to hurt it, so you hold it real real gentle with those top two, your thumb and your and your pointer finger. Um, so with me being so used to holding a, a compound like that, uh, that's one reason that I want to go with the recurve because of, you know, you sharing with me that that's how you would also hold a, a, a recurve. So now what about a child getting into it uh, or, a, you know, a dad trying to get a child into it? How would they go about choosing a bow for that child? Yeah, uh, you'd, you'd probably just go with the advice you get from other people that, that are helping youths learn how to shoot. Um, because there's so many factors with, with the, the traditional bow. For one, you need to start light. Even if you're an adult, you start with a, a way lighter bow than you would think you were going to hunt with uh, because the lighter bow is much easier to learn how to shoot, and you, you can become more accurate a lot quicker. And then you don't have to worry about sore fingers and sore shoulders and, and all of that. But with the youth, uh, something small and short and uh, kind of match the size of the kid, and, and they can start when they're three or four years old. Um, and, and you can start them with just a plastic bow and even the suction cup arrows. It's a great way to start, but it's not going to take too long before they want to actually shoot a bow, especially if you're shooting a bow, uh, that will actually stick into the target. Right. And that's one thing to consider when you're, you're shooting with little kids. Um, a lot of the little bows and little arrows, uh, they'll just bounce off of the average 3D target. So you might want to set up, uh, get them out shooting on like some hay bales or something like that where the arrow actually sticks. Because a kid gets frustrated if the arrow keeps popping out when you're shooting into the target. 
Um, but uh, as far as recurve or longbow, it really doesn't matter. Those little bows, they all they they all shoot about the same. And, uh, you know, they can shoot some of your arrows that are cut off, that, that are broken off or whatever, and shorten them up to f- make them fit. Or, uh, you know, ideally you get them some smaller, skinnier arrows that actually match the bow that uh, straighten out when they come out of the bow so they, they, they learn how to shoot what really is a, a smaller version of an adult bow. Right. So when we, when we start by choosing a bow and, and getting into this whole sport, you mentioned to me accuracy over power, and that goes into what you just said with that advice of choosing a, a, a lighted, lighter poundage bow. So kind of walk me through kind of the progression you would take in buying like a, a you know 25-pound bow and, and working up to hunting weight. Okay, well, that's exactly how you start. You start with the lightweight bow, and, and we were just at Cabela's a little bit ago, and, and we saw that they had a, a really inexpensive takedown recurve bow for $120 that was uh, adult size bow. It was, I believe, a 62-inch bow, which uh, that's the length of the bow. Uh, and uh, it was only 26 pounds. And that would be a great way to start. A very inexpensive bow. You get into it uh, without a lot of money and uh, just plan on replacing it once you get used to it. And and the reason for a lightweight bow is you need to learn how to use the proper form you need to learn how to anchor in, in, in on your face or at the corner of your mouth consistently every time. Uh, you need to get comfortable with the release. You're not shooting a, a mechanical release. You're releasing with your fingers with either a glove or a tab. So all of that is easier with a lightweight bow. And then also the, the, the most important part with, well, being proficient with anything is repetition. You know, they've always said that you have to do something 10,000 times to get to be good at it. And, and I believe that's uh, true with archery more than anything. Uh, you don't have a, a release that uh, uh, you click with your finger, so you do have to concentrate on how you release with your fingers. You don't have a sight to line up on the target. So every, every aspect of it is, is uh, repetition and muscle memory, and, and really you're just getting used to the feel of the bow, and a lightweight bow really helps with that. And so then you just you gradually, once you get comfortable with the you know say twenty five pound bow, uh, or for instance like you mentioned the the bullseye X from Bear is that twenty six pound bow. Um, once you get comfortable with that twenty six pounds, uh, you move up to would you go from to thirty pounds or all the way to thirty five forty? I mean how I, does that you know if, if, if you're if you're a full grown adult a man that's used to shooting a, uh, a a sixty pound or seventy pound compound bow, I would go ahead and move up to probably what I would consider a hunting weight bow right after that you got used to that lighter bow now where is that line of of hunting weight bow well that's controversial that just depends on on who you talk to I know a number of people who have shot bull moose big moose with a 42 to 45 pound recurve bow which is considered fairly light and some of the some states have requirements on what you have to shoot if not, if not all of them, am I correct? Some do. That's correct. I, I'm not sure where it is anymore, and, and uh, some of them are changing because there's so many youth and and even the ladies uh, have trouble with the heavy weight. So a lot of states have gotten away from the weight of the bow. But you know, to be ethical, uh, I, I would say if you could shoot a 45 pound recurve bow or long bow and shoot it effectively, like I said, people shoot moose with them. Uh, regularly, uh, and and these most of the people that I know that shoot 
big game, uh, big heavy animals with lighter weight bows, they, they've typically had some shoulder issues where they just can't shoot the heavy weight anymore. Uh, but with the modern laminates and glues and the way the, the new recurves and longbows are made, you know, a lot of the 45-pound traditional bows of today shoot about as hard as a 55 or 60-pound bow of 30 or 40 years ago. Right. So um, we also talk about, when we, when we talk about choosing a bow, uh, you, you have to talk about hand dominancy and eye dominancy. So there's a lot of different kind of combinations we can go with here. And by that, I mean, for myself, I'm right-hand dominant, but I'm left-eye dominant. Um, so how do those... How do those play a role in choosing your bow? But also, if you have that that uh, mixed dominancy, how does that? How do you choose when it comes to that? Well, uh, I, I thoroughly believe that your eye dominance is the most important part when choosing a bow for for uh, shooting a bow. Uh, for instance, I'm left-handed, um, but I have always thrown a ball with my right hand. And uh, when I was younger, I was fairly ambidextrous, so I, I think I could have probably gone either way. And I never did even try the eye-dominant thing, but I shot both right-handed and left-handed and basically just switched to right-handed because that's what everything was, you know, especially with guns when I was younger. Um, so I don't know, but I could shoot left-handed as well, even a shotgun. So I, I'm not sure what my situation was, but... There are a lot of people that are right-handed that are left-eye dominant, and they always do better if they shoot left-handed and then just learn how to do it. Um, you know, for instance, you say you're left-eye dominant, but you shoot the compound bow right-handed. You know, you can try that with uh, traditional. Um, but, you know, if I was starting starting out, I would advise you to do shoot left-handed. And, and how do you determine uh, which eye is the dominant one? And, and there's a, a pretty simple trick. You just stick your, point your finger out in front of your face as far as you can and point at a spot on the wall and just pick any spot and, and put your finger over that spot. And if you close your left eye and your finger is still on that spot, then you're right eye dominant. And, and if you're right eye dominant, you close your right eye, your finger will be to the right of that spot and vice versa with left, with the left eye. Um, most people have a dominant eye and some people it's more prominent than others, but I can do that right now. I stick my finger on a spot on the wall and I close my right eye and, and then my fingers two inches over on the wall. So I'm obviously right eye dominant. Yeah. And that's something that, that I never knew, uh, getting into archery. Uh, I never knew that that even mattered and nobody ever taught me that. Um, and I, I, I honestly didn't even learn, you know, I mean, I didn't even learn that that eye dominancy was an issue in shooting um, until really my adult life. And uh, they were talking about it one time at a, at a church event, and I said, well, what are you guys talking about? And they said, well, what eye dominant are you? And I said, I, I use both my eyes. You know, <laughs> I just told them I use both my eyes. But uh, they said, well, there's a, you know, there's a way to find out. And, and so we did that, what you just said. And I was, I was so left eye dominant. Uh, almost to the point where, and we did a different way. We made a diamond with our hands and, and you know, put a, a dot in the middle of, uh, picked a spot on the wall and put put that in the diamond. And as you bring that to your face, whichever eye it goes to, that's which eye dominant you are. Um, and I was so left eye dominant that I could not make that, and no matter how hard I tried, I could not make that go to my right eye. 
Um, I, my left eye was just so much more dominant than my left. And sometimes I find when I'm even reading, I find like my, my right eye closes because I can focus on the words better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I'm incredibly left eye dominant. And so I've always wanted to shoot my bow with both eyes open. I've always wanted to. And I've tried several times throughout the year. And now I know why I can't do it. Uh, now I know why I have to close my left eye um, and keep it closed. And you know, there's no, I just can't do it. I can't see through the peep. Um, now I have been told that, you know, just exactly like you said, um, that if I was to switch to shooting left handed, I would be more accurate. Um, I guess, like I said earlier, it's just kind of an intimidation factor type thing. So we'll see what happens. But with a child, Maybe a child like my like you said, my wife was kind of uh, ambidextrous, so she didn't really have a, you know, she didn't really have a like she played volleyball with her left and she would throw a ball with her right and she would eat with her left, but she would write with her right. You know, it's just so. How would you decide with a kid like that uh, which direction to go with them? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure really. I, I guess you start with what they're most comfortable with, and uh, you know, for instance, if if the kid is obviously left-handed, I would probably get him a left-handed bow him or her, either one, and uh, just see how they shoot. And as they get old enough to determine which eye is dominant, then you could always switch the bow and, and have them try the other way. Uh, it's not that it's impossible to shoot like like you know. You can shoot right-handed if you're left eye dominant, but you have to either squint or close that left eye to make that happen. And, and if you're going to start from scratch, you might as well go with the one that absolutely. makes the easiest path. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and that's why, like... I hope I never have to wear eyeglasses uh, because I can't shoot with sunglasses on uh, because I am so eye dominant that, you know, I'm looking across the brim of those glasses and it just throws me off. I just can't, I I can't do it. Um, So no matter how hard, again, no matter how hard I've tried, it just doesn't work. Um, So I hope I never have to wear glasses just because uh, I am so, so left eye dominant that, that there can't be anything left eye involved in me shooting. I have to just completely close it. Um, So, now, when we move on, I, I want to just encourage you, um, whether you choose a long bow or a recurve, uh, just simply enjoy shooting a bow. I mean, just get out there and do it. Um, now, listen, I can promise you this. If you're just not getting into the sport of traditional archery, I can promise you, you're not going to walk out and start hitting bullseyes. You're not. And that's okay. Just enjoy shooting your bow. Enjoy being out there. Now, uh, Jim, I do want you to run us through some tips about, uh, and this might be for a, for a later episode, I don't know, but um, I do want you to run us through some tips about shooting your bow and you're going to miss. Uh, so what are some precautions you can take to not lose arrows, to not break arrows as much? I know you said you like judo points. Um, is there anything else you can kind of do to save yourself the money of not busting arrows and losing arrows and... Well, yeah, you you just have to be careful what you're shooting at, um, and, and that's one of the joys of, of shooting traditional equipment. They they tend to shoot slower. They are slower than a compound bow, and and usually the arrows are a little heavier compared to the the speed you're shooting, so the arrows last longer. They don't break as often. Um, you did mention a judo point. If you're shooting out in the woods, uh, a, a judo point has uh, in, instead of a point on the end of it. It has three little springs that are, are at a 90 degree, so one of those springs hits the grass and it tends to pop the back end of the arrow up so the arrow doesn't dig into the grass because even the lightest bow, if you shoot into the grass, the arrow will just go right into the grass and and then you lose arrows. 
Um, so, uh, so you can look at the look at the judo point for shooting out in the field. But the other thing is when you're when you're beginning, just shoot close. And by close, I mean however close you have to be to hit the target every time to guarantee right. you don't miss the target. And that might only be five steps away. Uh, but that's how you learn how to shoot. If you're learning how to shoot it instinctively, which is how, you know, when you're a little kid, that's how you learn because there's no sights. And, and your your body has to adjust to where the arrow is going. Well, you start out close and you just keep shooting at that target. And the more you shoot, if it's close enough, the more you realize that pretty soon your mind, without even thinking about it, tells your bow hand, the hand that's holding the bow, where it needs to be in, in relation to your finger at your anchor point. Um, and your, your hand will adjust automatically to go to the point you're aiming. And that's just a matter of repetition. And, and some people at, at five yards could pick it up very quickly. It just kind of depends on how athletic-minded you are and, and uh, um, you know, if you're used to throwing a ball and people catching it, whether you're going from second base to first base or third to, to first, how you throw that ball is different. And that's how, right. we, that's how we kind of talk about learning how to shoot instinctively is, is it's kind of like throwing a ball. Your mind just knows that you need to throw harder or higher when you're throwing farther. And right. Your mind learns how to do that with a bow. Yeah, and we'll dive we'll dive more into that uh, when we talk about uh, you know different styles of shooting and and how to um, pick your style, uh, what what might work better for you. Um, and so, guys, I, I promise you, uh, when you get into traditional archery, you're not going to go out and, and be a, a crack shot with a bow at 20 yards, 30 yards, uh, maybe not even five yards. So, don't get frustrated. Uh, keep trying, keep getting better, keep practicing. Um, I try to shoot my bow every single morning. Uh, it, it might be just three shots. It might be, you know, I might have the time to shoot 10 shots, but I just want to keep that mu- that muscle memory intact. And I just want to practice every day. So um, what, what, whatever it is, whatever starting point you're at, um, when it comes to traditional archery, just get out there and enjoy it because bow hunting is awesome. Man, bow hunting is is the best thing you can do. It's incredibly fun. Uh, it's such a, a stress reliever and just a great way to start your day, end your day. Um, so just get out there and enjoy hunting. Is there anything else you want to mention when you talk about selecting a bow? Yeah, so let's talk about the length of the bow and, and how they weigh the bow. Uh, the length of the bow, the average recurver longbow uh, the AMO, AMO length, which is Archery Manufacturing Organization, they had to come up with a standardized way to, to measure a bow. Well, a bow is different whether it's strung or unstrung. So let's just say the average recurve bow today is, a, they call it a 60-inch bow. And uh, I don't even know how they came up with that number, 60-inch, because it'll probably have about a 57 or 58-inch string length. So it's it, they call it a 60-inch bow, but that's just a reference. And it, when you're looking at buying a new bow, uh, you probably want to start on the long side, 60-inch for an adult, up to 62, 64 with a recurve, and maybe even 68 inches on a long bow. People tend to shoot a long bow a few inches longer than a, than a recurve. Um, so, so look for something fairly long to start with because if it's the shorter bows, if you think about the angle of the string, when you get it at full draw, the heavier, shorter bows, they tend to pinch your fingers and they're uncomfortable to shoot until you get the 
calluses on your fingers. And, and uh, personally, I shoot a 56-inch bow. For one, I'm not a really big guy. My draw length is only 27 inches. And uh, when, they, when they talk about draw length, it is the measurement from the front of the bow to your anchor point at full draw. So it, with, with a 27-inch draw, I would shoot a 28-inch arrow that leaves a couple, it leaves one inch sticking out. Uh, the other thing is the weight on an adult recurver longbow. Um, unless it was custom made for a shorter draw length, if it says 55 pounds on it, it's 55 pounds at 28-inch draw length. So if if you're six foot five and you're pulling a 30-inch arrow, typically uh, you're going to add three pounds per inch over that 28 inches. Or if you're uh, five foot five and you shoot a 26-inch draw length, then you're you're you would be pulling about six pounds less than the uh, AMO weight listed on that bow. So that's something to consider um, when you talk about hunting weights. If my bow is forty-five pounds, that's at twenty-eight inches. You said, "Well, I only pull twenty-seven inches." That's something I need to remember right. uh, when it comes to is this bow going to be enough to take down you know a deer a bear elk whatever it is um that's something to consider um which i i uh i never knew until you know about f- five six months ago uh when i started to look into traditional archery that 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 is all measured at 28 inches i never knew that um so that's a good thing to remember when choosing a bow um is there any kind of other points we need to hit before we before we move on to the next episode um i think we've about covered choosing the bow um you know, next we'll get into setting up the bow and, and starting to shoot. So I believe that about covers it. All right. Well, guys, thank you so much for joining us uh, on this episode of, of Bear Archery's Hunting 101. Before we go, I do want to give a quick shout out uh, to some of our good friends at Minus 33 Merino. Um, that clothing is absolutely phenomenal. Uh, me and Jim were talking about uh, kind of our our love for Merino wool and how it, you know, it doesn't it doesn't hold scent. So if you're out on a backcountry hunt or out, um, in the mountains chasing them around and you get you know smelly and stinky uh your clothes do a really good job of not holding on to that scent uh so so merino wool is a very good tool to have um and minus 33 just just does it well so go check those guys out uh again stay tuned because next week we'll be putting out setting up a recurve bow uh we'll be putting out you know choosing your arrows and how to set up your arrows and how to start getting uh, ready to shoot and so um if you've bought a recurve if if you are getting into the sport uh this series is going to be for you and next we're going to put out how to get that bow set up so guys thank you so much for listening you guys have a great week <laughs>